Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 14th of January 2024. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul started a new series looking at the wisdom of Proverbs and he was looking at trust. The reading is Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and 3 verses 5 to 8. So we're going to join Paul at the start of the service. And, and, and Roy, before I hand over to you, can I read a psalm? Is that okay? Mm, a whole psalm? Well, that'd be all right. Good news is it's one of the shorter whole psalms. But you'll see what I mean. Psalm 20 always lifts me up, reminds me at the beginning of a new year who I should put all of my thought, effort and trust into. It says this. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers them. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. But we rise up and stand firm. Roy. Thank you. Just one, just one more notice. Sorry, I've just realized. It's, uh, this Friday, 2.30 in the church lounges, Jenny and I are hosting the Open Doors prayer group, uh, which wasn't on the notices. So just a reminder for those. You will be emailed. Those are on the list. Paul's just said about standing. Can I encourage you, if you can, to stand? And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together as as the start of our act of worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the place where dreams are found. Uh, Young people are going to leave us now, but actually that's an amazing prayer, isn't it? To pray for them, that whether we're here or out there, we will wait upon the Lord. So let's pray that for them as they go to their own part of this service. Church, I invite you to pray for the amazing young people we have 
as we release them to follow Tommy. Father, we thank you that whether you're old or whether you're young, that whether you're this high or that tall, the reality is you care for all. And we can all wait upon you. My prayer is for our young people that they would wait upon the Lord, that you would be their Lord and they would be your children. And that that reality would be cemented into their lives today. We pray for our youth. We pray for their leaders. We pray for their relationship with you. And we pray for their salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is when you get to see what's happened behind the scenes. Because I've left the prayers of intercession over there. Excuse a minute. absolute privilege uh, as the part of one of the pastors in this church to pray with and for the church i wonder if i can ask a question please feel free to confess um has anybody still got their christmas decorations up the reason i ask is because last weekend i and lorraine came back from a week away and i realized as we took our decorations down that we were the last in the street to take ours down And it led me this week to thinking in my own prayer time about what now? What do we do with Christmas now all the tinsel is down, the tree has gone? What do we do? What do we do when the song of the angels is stilled? When the star in the night sky has gone? When the kings and the magi have gone home? What do we do when the shepherds are back with their flocks when the work of Christmas truly begins? And that's true. The tinsel may be away, but the message of Christmas and the work it heralds begins now. So what is its work? And in my opinion, to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the oppressed, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace amongst all people, and to make a little music with the heart, much like the angels did. And in that way, for us, you and I, to radiate the light and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ every day in our lives. And so we're going to pray through some of those things we've already said, that the work of Christmas will begin. It's a responsive prayer. It's a simple response to the words, Lord, in your mercy. I invite you to respond with, hear our prayer. Let's pray, friends. We pray to find the lost. Father God, shepherd, Lord, who protects the flock and searches tirelessly for those who wander. We pray this morning for all in our community who are feeling lost and alone. We pray for all who we might describe as the prodigals, who seem to have misheard, misunderstood, missed you. We pray 
that just like Samuel, they will hear your voice calling them. Find their way back into your loving presence. We pray you would make us open and receptive to all the lost, the lonely, and the rejected that find their way here, that they may find home here. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The work of Christmas begins as we heal those broken in spirit. Loving God, wrap your loving arms, we pray, around those who are in pain or broken-hearted, depressed or grieving. Friends, I invite you in the silence to bring before our amazing Lord those you know who need our prayers. Father God, we thank you for those, every one of them, who we have named from our hearts to you this morning. We pray you would fill their hearts with your comfort, your peace, and your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray to feed the hungry. Faithful God, we pray for everyone who will not have enough food to eat today. Those within our own community that the food cupboard helps and those that are far away throughout and around this world. We pray for all the agencies that work with them, whether locally like the food cupboard or around the world like food aid. Those who are trying to bring relief to so many millions of people. We pray that they may receive the funds they need to continue their work. But Lord, we also pray they would take you with them so that those who are able may speak of your love to those who have so little and that all may feed not just on food but on the reality of who you are. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray to release the oppressed Almighty God, who created all the peoples of the world in your own image, help us to see your face in every person we meet. We pray for all our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, that those who are oppressing them will see your face in theirs and be transformed. This morning, Lord, specifically, we bring before you our Christian brothers and sisters in Yemen. Father God, oh, we look at that situation and we know it needs a miracle. But we know the one who can do the miracle. And so we pray that our brothers and sisters in that part of the world may be able to stand. And in the midst of what is awful, terrible oppression, that in their lives and in their words you would be glorified. Give us here, we pray, grace to speak out against evil, whether on our doorstep or the other side of the world, and never to accept oppression. Help us to use our freedom to work for justice throughout the whole of the world. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear our prayer. Christmas reminds us to rebuild the nations and to bring peace amongst all people. So merciful God, we pray for all those countries that are being torn apart by war. We bring before you the Ukraine, Russia, Israel, Palestine, the Middle East. And we know that that list is not exhaustive, that there are many more places in the world that are at war, even within nations, where people have decided to take up arms of destruction. But we pray against all evil and continue to pray for peace in our world. And pray specifically this morning for those involved in the process of reconciliation and bridge building between peoples, cultures and nations. We pray for the day when you would be glorified and one day all will be free from war. And so we pray, come quickly Lord Jesus and may your peace abound. Lord, in your mercy... Hear our prayer. And Lord, we ask and pray for a little music within our own hearts. For you are a creator God, and we thank you for the gifts of creation, for music, art, nature, dance and beauty, and the opportunities we have to share them and to enjoy them. Father, this morning I want to specifically thank you for those in this church who use the creative arts to worship you. Father, may I learn from them. And may I worship you this morning, maybe in a way I've never done before, as I let a little music from my heart ring out and worship you. We thank you for the joy that you bring to our worship. And we pray that our worship would honour you and be a blessing to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we especially pray, as we enter 2024, for our role in doing the ongoing true work of Christmas. May we be the ones who radiate the Christ light every day, in every way, in all that we do, and in everything that we say. Merciful God, accept these prayers we pray for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our worship group are going to lead us again. Do you know, sometimes, I don't know if it's just me, I pray about these things, and I found myself, find myself thinking... How is this going to be resolved? How are some of these big issues of the world going to end out? Do you know the truth is I don't know. But I have faith to keep on praying because I know it's our God that makes the way. And I think we're going to sing directly about that right now. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. When they, that's a challenge for us. When we're facing difficult, challenging situations, that's when the rubber hits the road. As the saying goes, that's when we have to trust in the Lord that he will make a way. Let's stand and sing.
Proverbs. We're going to read from Proverbs this morning, and I'm going to read from chapter 9, and I'm going to read from verse 1 down to verse 6. Thank you, Paul. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set the table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. We're going over to chapter 3 of Proverbs. Let's start at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Amen. The seven pillars of wisdom. It's a great phrase that that begins that chapter of Proverbs. Bluntly, when I became a Christian, honestly, I never took the book of Proverbs seriously. In a reading plan... And I've had many over the years. I would kind of, I would skip over the book of Proverbs. It seemed complicated enough to me. Or read through it because you have to. Do you know? I'm diligently going to read, three, read two chapters of Proverbs a day until I get to the end of it. And God will bless me because I've been through. A bit like you read Ecclesiastes. And you know what I mean. <laughs> but I've been honest with you because in truth the book was also a bit of a mystery to me mysterious words and what's going on really and that's how it was for my first 32 years of being a Christian until I went to India on the mission field and then something struck me now I know we've got people here that are very loving supporters very diligent supporters of the Gideons and in the UK, you could get a Gideon's Bible, or sometimes, as I was given at school, you get a Gideon's New Testament and Psalms. Why? Well, logically speaking, we read about in the New Testament all those amazing passages of Jesus and who he is, and then the Psalms remind us of how to take some of those passages and worship God. So you've got kind of the whole package. We know the Father God through Jesus Christ, and we know how to worship him. It's simple, isn't it? When you go to India, 
That's not how they view it. And the Gideons, or their equivalent in India, don't do things that way. Throughout that whole subcontinent, if you've got their equivalent of the New Testament and Psalms, you get given New Testament and Proverbs. Why? What's going on? That's what first intrigued me when I first saw that in India. Well, it's because they say this. They say, you're right. You get to know Jesus Christ through this New Testament. That's true. You get to know him and you get to know God. But then the thing you need to do is understand that in Proverbs, there's the wisdom of God. And what you therefore need to do is to have knowledge of God and wisdom of God, and then you can worship him. You see the difference, the subtle difference? That piqued my interest in this book of Proverbs. And if you want to know how come they think that's logical, if you look at the first few verses of Proverbs 1 itself, Proverbs 1, 1 to 4. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Can you see why they think Proverbs... It's this book that complements the New Testament. And there's truth there. What this book says is, here's a chance, dear people of 21st century Minehead, to sit at the feet of Solomon, these are Solomon's Proverbs, and drink in the timeless secrets of life. Well, friends, guess what? The reading from, uh, we have from Proverbs 9 is about the wisdom that's contained in this book, that in itself is a book about wisdom. And in Proverbs 9.1, we learn of the seven pillars of wisdom. As far as I know, these pillars are never listed in this book. But over the next seven weeks, this is dangerous stuff. We're going to be looking at what I believe, personally, are the seven pillars of wisdom throughout the book of Solomon's Proverbs. Therefore, dear church, this is what I think we need to be armed with for what comes next. And those seven pillars are, if I can get this to work, have I done? What have I done now? Oh, hello. There we go. I've gone too far. Sorry at the back. Major confusion. The seven pillars of wisdom are these. Trust, integrity, generosity, diligence, I think called apples of gold, but we'll tell you more about that when we get there. Tom is preaching that day. Come, because it will be a very lively sermon, I know. Community and holiness. In one sense, the wisdom of these seven pillars says, if you are wise in, under God in those things, then nothing can stop the walls of the church coming down. I believe they're the things of truth that are evident in this book of Proverbs and they lead to freedom and real life in Christ. Why look at them now? Well, we talked about the walls coming down, but more than that, if we adopt these seven pillars and that we find in this book and we live out the reality of them in our daily lives, then we will live out the reality of our Bible verse for the year, which you all got in a card before Christmas. 
or you did if, if we knew your name and you're, you're part of the church family. If you didn't and you want to know what on earth I'm talking about, come find me later. But Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Why stand on these seven pillars of wisdom, not so that our plans would be fulfilled, but that God's purposes will prevail? That's what we're going for this year. And we are going to go for it. And the first pillar upon which I believe wisdom is built is trust. Okay, trust. Trust, according to the online yourdictionary.com, is this. Firm reliance on the integrity, ability, or character of a person or thing. Basically, trust is confidence that what we believe about a person or thing is true. And bluntly, even in a society where self-reliance is so highly sought after and praised, we are shocked when someone or something violates our trust. It would be nearly impossible to go through a day without experiencing what trust is like. I want to show you an example. I want to ask you for prayer. My car is due in for an MOT in about three weeks' time. Can you pray for the car? (laughs) In In reality, though, when the car comes back, and I hope and pray literally that it passes, when I get it back from the mechanic, the last time I went and got my car and he said, it's passed its MOT, by the way, Paul, we've had to do some work on the brakes for it to pass. I didn't. Do you know what I did? It was astonishing what I did. I got in the car and drove home. Astonishing, because I didn't say to him, well, tell me how you mended the brakes. I trusted that the mechanic knew what he was up to. That he was right when he said the car had passed its MOT, and that the brakes were now working. We use trust every day. Don't believe me. Let me ask a question to Marjorie. Marjorie, we're going to have tea and coffee later on, and I know you helped that lovely group of folk kind of get it together this morning with one sort of slight cold chug of coffee accident early, but we won't go into that. I'm not going to tell anyone. Is that okay? But the, but the reality is, did you... Well, you know you poured the milk into the jug. Okay. Later on, is there ever anybody in this church that's come up to you and said, I'll have a cup of coffee with milk, but can I just check the milk's in date? See, we trust the people that are serving us tea and coffee. And we trust the date on the carton, don't we? And if you think, well, that's a silly example. Anyone going out for lunch later? We're going to find out who the posh people are now. Anyone going out for lunch? (laughs) Here's what happens when you go out for lunch. You order your meal. You get given your meal and you eat your meal. Hopefully it's delicious. Do you know what you've got to trust, don't you? that the last time the chef had a toilet break, they washed their hands. <laughs> Is there anybody here that's ever gone into a restaurant and said, thank you for the meal, can I just check the chef's meeting hygiene standards? See, we use trust all the time. Constantly we do. And therefore, the book of Proverbs, one of these pillars of wisdom, raises a question. It raises trust in such a way of you and I as a question. And it says this, How much do you trust God? 
Or to put it another way, do you need to be in control? Or is he? Do you know, in San Diego, this is an actual picture of it, just to let you know. In San Diego, they've built this. And you're going to ask me what it is because you're that sort of folk, I know that. This is an experimental highway. And what they've built is this highway and a system of computerised cars based upon magnets. Okay, that's what runs that. The idea being that you and I will sit in a car, eventually, and we'll type in, probably through our iPad or our iPhone, where we want to go, and the car will drive us there. Got that? That's absolutely what that's built for. And you think, that's brilliant. Now that's going to be great, isn't it? You know, we can toot along at 30 miles an hour. No, 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 no. The idea is that because the car, sorry, the technology is a better driver than you, that on that track, eventually we'll all be able to go 100 miles an hour plus from place to place. Got that? That's the idea. That's the concept of that track. Guess what they've had problems doing? Getting volunteers. That's the reality. See, it's a matter of trust, isn't it? And when they've asked for feedback, it's because people have said there's no human being involved. If a crash happens because of the technology at 100 miles an hour, it's catastrophic. The problem is a matter of trust. If this morning we have problem. Can I venture to suggest the problem is a matter of trust? I'll show you what I mean. If you want to live a life that reflects a foundation of wisdom, you have to learn how and who to trust. Or do we agree with that? And isn't that what that passage says that Joe read out? Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, it's on the screen for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in your own ways acknowledge him. Do you know that's a tough thing to do in a society that so highly values what we know rather than who we know? Think of that logically. Our children are doing well if they get three A-star A-levels and reject Jesus Christ. I want it the other way around. I want to say our children are doing well when they, get, when they know Jesus Christ and they're performing the best academic standard they can. And that may flip, you on, flip things on its head, but in reality, the very best thing I can do for every child that's in this building is not to, so that they may know more, but that they may, may, they may know him more. I hope you're with me. In order to be wise, we must not trust our own understanding. Rather, we need to rediscover the wisdom of trusting God. Even when it seems that the natural order of things that he's wrong, because God is never wrong. I love these two Proverbs. I told you I've fallen in love with Proverbs, and this is true. This one, whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I want to be blessed this morning, trust in the Lord. Or what about this one? Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I want to say to all my fellow ministers of the gospel, don't fear what man will say. Trust God for what he asks you to do. Beautiful words. 
Now, there was this amazing preacher. He's an American preacher. His name's S.M. Lockridge. He was a preacher in Atlanta and all over the place. And you will know him by the Friday's coming prayer, if you know that prayer. Do you know the truth? His sermons used to last for four hours. Plus. Aren't you pleased you're here? (laughs) Or do you want a four-hour sermon? I assume silence means yes. (laughs) No, 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 we won't go there. But he preached a, a, a sermon back in Detroit in 1976 about trusting God. And I'm going to read it to you. Praise be, only five minutes of it. Is that okay? It's from a sermon. I, I thought, which bit of this do I share with you? And decided at the end of the day, I'm going to share it all because his words are better than mine. And I hope I do them justice. But it's from a sermon he wrote called, You Can Trust Him. God is the one who made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love and no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. I am telling you today You can trust him. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He is enduringly strong and he's entirely secure. He's eternally steadfast and he's immortally graceful. He's empirically, powerfully and impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that's ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's saviour. He's the centrepiece of civilization. And can you hear, dear church, that I'm trying to tell you, you can trust him. For he does not have to ask for our help, and you can't confuse him. He doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's august, and he's unique. He's unparalleled, he's unprecedented, he's supreme, he's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature and he's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism and he's the fundamental doctrine of truthology. He's the cardinal necessity of the spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you can call him and I'm trying to tell you, you can trust him. He can satisfy all your needs and do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak and he's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he sees, he guides and he guards. He heals the sick, he cleanses the leper, he forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the people. He blesses the young. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. And once again, I'm trying to tell you, dear church, that you can trust him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the path of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory and you can trust him. 
His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limited. His mercy is everlast, is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is victorious. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe him to him, but he's indescribable. Because he's incomprehensible, he's irresistible, because he's invincible. You can't get him off your hands, and you can't get him out of your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Pilate couldn't stand it when he found out that he couldn't stop him. For that matter, Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. And the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree, and Herod couldn't kill him. And death couldn't handle him. And thank God the grave couldn't hold him. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. You can't impeach him. He's not going to give you up. And can I tell you, dear church, you can trust him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's all things. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. He's the light out of every darkness. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. And you can trust him. There's no God before him. And there'll be none after him. He's the first. He's the last. He's preeminent. There is no other God full stop. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we can give you praise and we can give you glory. When we walk out of this building today, may we know that, God, you are trustworthy. And I pray on your heart would be written the words, I can trust him. Amen. But that's not the end of the sermon. (laughs) Just to let you know, with a bit more to go, not much more. Hallelujah. Who said that? Me. Because it's pure folly to touch, to trust temporal things. It just is. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. A friend of mine, an amazing, lovely Christian friend of mine, worked hard all his life to provide for his family. He approached his 58th birthday. I've known him ever since I first started working in a bank. I won't tell you his name because we know his wife really well. He doesn't live around here anyway. And he worked so hard thinking, when I retire, I'll be okay. He died at 59, three weeks before he was due to retire. Truth of the matter is, as his wife would say to you, the good news is that he knew Jesus Christ. Not that he'd made this great provision for them. Her comfort was not in things. It was in that righteous love of the Lord. Or Proverbs 28, 25 to 26, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. This is the walk of wisdom, friends, to trust the Lord. 
Did you know, also, our own trustworthy affects our ability to trust. Proverbs 3, 27 to 30 reminds us of that. And without reading it all, if you look at that, it says, actually, you are measured on your trustworthiness. It's all very well to say to someone, I can be trusted. But then at the first opportunity, if we let them down, do they ever trust us again? Our own trustworthy then affects our ability to be trusted. Proverbs 11.13 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. How trustworthy are you? I want to challenge you. I often, I've said before, I'm glad I'm near the door, but I want to challenge you. If you are someone that cheats, you will always be suspicious of others. That's from another part of Proverbs. I challenge you, if you find it hard to be a trusting person, examine your own heart and ask the question, are you trustworthy? How trustworthy are you? Then, trusting God increases our discernment about trusting others. Proverbs three twenty-one to 26 says this, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be a life for you, an ornament of grace that, to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. There's an old story, I don't know if it's true, but it's certainly one of those stories, if you're preaching, you can go on various websites and get sermon illustrations. Did you know that nowadays? Praise the Lord for that, actually, to be honest. But you get various sermon illustrations. This isn't mine, therefore, this is on one of those those websites. It's supposed to be a true story, but whether or not it is, I don't know. There's a story of a father. And as his son is growing up, he takes him to the back porch and he gets him to stand on the railings of the porch. Now they live a little bit on a hill. So he gets the son to stand there and he goes down the steps into the garden. So he's about three or four foot below the son's own feet. And he says to his son, jump, I'll catch you. The son is hesitant, but eventually the father persuades the son to jump. And as he jumps, the father moves out of the way and lets him fall. The boy is in tears, he is distraught, but as he gets up, as he picks his son up, as he dusts his mound, as he dries his tears, he says this to him, let that be a lesson, don't trust anyone. Friends, the challenge is not whether that's true. The challenge is that many of us have had our trust violated by that sort of thing. Why trust? Why is it a pillar? Because God can heal the scars of that. And he will. But he asks you and I to forgive. That's our part of the deal. So we're going to end by doing something profound. 
How do you and I forgive people? Not with our emotions, and not with them for sure, because they're the direct set, direction setters of our lives. Not with our emotions, because your emotions don't determine the spiritual condition of your heart. How do we forgive? With our will. Because our will is the director and the indicator in both instances. Emotions, well, they change one minute to the next, don't they? But our will, under God's will, is stable. So you set a date, the 14th of January 2024. As of this date, I forgive blank for blank. And when your emotions rise up and they say that your decision didn't last long, I want to ask you to do me a favour. Scripture says you can command them to line up with the will and the word of God. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Forgiving doesn't require you to put yourself back continually in a place of hurt or in that position where you're damaged. But forgiveness is about you and being free and released. So just say, I've forgiven and I release you and go on with your life. Then go on with your own life. Free from anger and resentment that cripples only you. And gives the one who did the wrong in the first place continued power over you. <coughs> so trusting God asks you to do something profound. It asks that you trust him and that you're free. I want to finish by saying this. I'm not asking you to trust me. Because although I'll try my best not to, I may let you down. Rather, this morning I am inviting you to trust God. He's trustworthy. He'll heal you. And I want to confidently say that the Lord God will complete the work of healing that he has already started. He will do it. Whatever that work is, he'll finish it. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the reality that you are You are the one we can all put our trust in, no matter what. May we trust you, Lord, with all that we have and all that we are. And in this moment of quiet, if this applies to you, as a moment just solely between you and your Lord, I invite you, whether in your heart or by putting your hands out or by some means that the Lord puts on your heart, I invite you to respond to him and simply lay all the hurts and the pains and the worries and the doubts, the anxieties, the unforgiveness of the past at his feet. Trust him wholly. Father God, I pray that you would complete the work you have started, that all would be healed and all would be free because we can simply say we trust in our Father God. He has said and therefore it will be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, to be fair to Roy, he didn't know what I was going to say, but he's going to, we're going to sing two songs to finish our service that actually the imagery of these two songs points to those words in Proverbs. We're going to sing 
the Lord's my shepherd and you are my anchor. Yeah, we're going to move from Proverbs back into Psalms. So we'll stand and sing Psalm 23. wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the fact that he trusted him that made Peter stand up on the day of Pentecost and say to the crowd these words which I pray over you in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all my people your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Father God, we thank you for that reality. That as we put our trust in you and we call on your name, there is salvation. We thank you that you will pour out the Spirit on each of us without exception and we will be free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before we have our last song, I want to tell you that you guys, unfortunately, I do apologise, you missed the very best piece of worship we've had this morning. I wonder if they knew that. We had it over there. We were praying over there. And we prayed this as a group together and said amen to it. And Actually, it would be good if we joined in the prayer. This is our prayer. We said, Lord, may you move by the power of your Holy Spirit. May we as your people see your spirit move. Okay. We're going to pray a dangerous prayer now. Because I have no idea what's going to happen. It's that same prayer. Because we're going to pray it and then we're going to sing a song which talks about God's salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And here's what I believe. I believe that as we pray that, if we give our hearts and minds to him, if we mean the words that we're saying, the Holy Spirit through his power will move. And we will see. Let's pray. Father God, I, earlier on when I was over there praying, and you gave me that sense of praying that today would be the day we would see the power of the Holy Spirit move. I had no idea you'd say to me, repeat it now. But I do. Because Lord, as I have spoken, I spoke to myself and it said, Paul, just trust. So I trust you, Lord, as I pray over this church Moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. And as I saw it earlier, Lord, I pray you would move in power at the very base, the very sort of almost at the floor level, at the very, the very structure of this place. But that we would know and see that the power of the Lord is among us and the Holy Spirit has moved. And Lord, I have nothing more to bring than that. And in one sense, I'm opening myself up, I pray 
in vulnerability to my brothers and sisters here today. But I trust you. And as I read that list that that preacher made, Lord, I want to go, dear church, can't you hear? I want to say, dear Paul, can't you hear? I heard, Father God. I trust you. And I trust that as we sing this amazing song, which reminds us that yours is salvation, that you would move. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I have no idea what's about to happen. But God does. And one way or other, if this morning God has touched your heart, I invite you to come and share with me over there as we sing this song. That we may all glorify him together. Roy. the words of that up there I, I, I told you I didn't know what was going to happen but what I did have was a picture, an image so here goes, the Lord would say to you this morning, someone here, they'd say, you think that whatever this is, and I don't know what it is but whatever it is, it's so much a part of your life it's like you're standing on this concrete this plinth of lies mistruths and sin the Lord would say to you as you were praying to me it was as if the ground started shaking. You experienced this sort of earthquake-like thing. The ground shaking beneath your feet. And I think the Lord would say to you, today, today, I want to get rid of the plinth. I want you to finally stand on me and not on yourself. And I don't know what that means except to say what's the image that God gave me. And I prayed before I went that, Lord, you just give me something, please, Lord. Uh, and, and I pray, if that's you, you need to come and see me. And we'll work through that together, whether it takes today, tomorrow, next week, next year, however long. Because I saw you once the Lord had finished with you. And rather than being stuck on a plinth, you were salt and light to this community. And this church needs you, whoever you are. If that is you, please come and speak to me. And incidentally, wherever Lorraine is, if I'm here till tea time, so be it. Please, please, please don't leave without doing something about it. Today's the day the Lord's made. He wants you to trust him. And we're going to join with you, whomever you are, in a prayer. This is going to be our prayer. Without the instruments, we're just going to sing this a couple of times through. Because if that's you... These, are for, these words are for you, and I don't want to expose you in any way, shape, or form, but we're going to sing it with you as a prayer. And if you go back, I think it's back one, Sally, sorry. Yeah, that's the one. Where we go, be, praise, and honor, glory, wisdom. Got that one? We're going to sing this. I don't know if this will work with that instruments, Roy. If you want to give us a note, then please feel free. Praise we're in. That's the chap, yeah. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength. Be to our God forever and ever. Be to our God 
and ever. I saw the Lord before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope, because you have not abandoned me to the grave, nor will you let the Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. For that person I pray this that the Lord will fill you with joy in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 To leave a comment, please go to mainhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.